Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With Whether this body will be considering whether there should be witnesses or not, but, but when that should be considered. Welcome back to the program. You just heard a few words from Patrick Philbin. He's on the floor of the United States Senate right now uh, making the case against an amendment introduced by Chuck Schumer. He's deputy counsel to the president. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that we continue to follow these proceedings. Uh, Patrick Philbin, interesting background, probably has a degree from everywhere you might want one. Yale University, that's where he got his bachelor's, then got a JD from Harvard, and then went on to get a diploma in legal studies from the University of Cambridge. He was a Supreme Court uh, justice clerk. Uh, he clerked for Clarence Thomas, then went into private practice for a number of years and uh, not long ago uh, commenced his service to uh, President Trump as deputy counsel. And again, Patrick Philbin, he's making the case right now uh, on behalf of the president. He's fighting against uh, right now the amendments introduced by Chuck Schumer in response to the proposed rules introduced earlier and debated earlier by uh, by Mitch McConnell. Now the differences are are subtle but important. So they're 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 it's a very simple uh, amendment uh, and it's a very simple base uh, bill, I guess you could call it. Uh, and yet the differences are, are very controversial, and it deals with when uh, evidence and uh, evidence and witnesses may or may not be considered in the McConnell version it is only after arguments are presented by both sides would then members of the senate be able to introduce motions to call witnesses or introduce documents or other evidentiary items and then it is the uh, amendment uh, in in proposed by Chuck Schumer that would change that a bit and allow for uh, those witnesses to be uh, considered automatically so it's a, it's a subtle change and yet uh, it is taking uh, hours and hours and hours to debate. So right now, we're debating on the groundwork still and on the ground rules. And then it's tomorrow uh, that things will begin in earnest, earnest. We heard that today was the uh, the beginning of this trial. That is accurate. Uh, tomorrow, though, we get into substance. Right now, it's procedure. Tomorrow, it's substance. And we'll continue that throughout its duration. It's history, guys. We're, we're, we're witnessing history firsthand. Uh, now, listen, I want to tell you about something that happened in Virginia yesterday, but I'm going to back up even further uh, into history and tell you about a decision that I made uh, in 2015. I was working here 
for KSL, my, my first stint here at this fine radio station as producer of the Doug Wright Show. Uh, and then I was a reporter. And then I got a phone call from Washington, D.C., uh, from the office of Congressman Bishop. And uh, the word was there, hey, we'd like you, you to come out here and work for us. Would you come out and be a congressional aide for a few years? And I said, yeah, I'll give that a shot. So my wife and I packed up and we had a decision to make right then. You see, the way Washington, D.C. works is there is the District of Columbia or the district. You know how the cool kids say. And then there is also Maryland there nearby. And there is also northern Virginia, Alexandria and Arlington. And it was between all of those three areas, either the District of Columbia, the district or Maryland or Virginia, uh, where my wife and I were going to live. And I had to choose between those three and there are a number of factors that influence that. If you're going to live in the district, uh, you then will have a much shorter commute. That's one uh, plus. If you're going to live in Maryland, then you uh, you might have better access to uh, water and, uh, and some of the, the things there. But in Virginia, if you're going to live in Virginia... Uh, aside from a number of other considerations, uh, one that was important to me was the state's uh, position, well, the Commonwealth, rather, the position of the Commonwealth on the Second Amendment. I have told you a few times here on this program, I'm, uh, I'm pretty fond of the Second Amendment. I, uh, I enjoy uh, firearms. I'm a hobbyist. I, I hunt. Uh, I also do a little bit of tinkering. I've built a few firearms. And I also believe uh, that our right to uh, bear arms is something that is important uh, in our defense against uh, tyranny, uh, wherever it may manifest itself. And so it was, as my wife and I were considering where we would live, we chose uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Virginia is where we decided to live. Well, uh, and it's because in Virginia, the laws there regarding firearms very much mirror those here in the state of Utah. Someone living here in Utah will not find uh, much difference in their experience moving out to Virginia uh, in terms of firearms and the laws that govern uh, the, the use thereof and ownership. Well, They've got a, a governor there now, a Democrat guy named Ralph Northam, and he uh, would like to see some changes brought about in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Let me walk through a few of those uh, proposals and some of the bills that have passed the, the Senate there in Virginia. And I'm going to tell you what the folks, uh, the, the gun-loving folks uh, have done and the defenders of the Second Amendment, what they did uh, when they gathered up at the Capitol just yesterday. So there have been a few bills to pass the, the state Senate. One is to limit uh, to one handgun uh, a month. You could only buy one handgun per month. That's uh, something that passed the Senate out there. Uh, another one is a requirement for universal background checks on gun sales. You know, here in Utah, there's that, uh, you know, you hear folks refer to it as the gun show loophole, and I've pushed back against that and how I uh, believe it's inappropriate to refer to it as a loophole. Well, in Virginia, they have something similar where if you are purchasing a firearm privately, uh, meaning if you have like a friend or you somehow come in contact with someone who would like to sell a firearm, you can execute that transaction without a background check. The last bill to have passed the Senate is a rule allowing localities to ban guns in some public areas. Those are like the gun-free zones and such like that. Uh, that's uh, not unique to Virginia, but it, uh, it's one that does stir up a little bit of controversy. Now, the proposals. One is, of course, for a red flag law. We've heard a lot about that here in the state of Utah. I just last week was speaking to Representative Steve Handy, who is trying to get one of uh, those such laws passed through the house and onto the desk of the governor. We'll see how that goes. And then let me just quickly rattle off this list of proposals uh, that the 
that the Democrats in the Commonwealth, uh, along with the governor, have backed. They include reporting lost or stolen firearms, uh, increased penalties for rec- recklessly leaving loaded, unsecured firearms near children, and a ban on anyone subject to a final protective order from possessing firearms. Also, a ban on assault firearms. That's it's in quotes. Those aren't my terms, uh, but that's the big one. And it has to do with uh, the like the AR-15 uh, type rifles that uh, that you know some of you enjoy. I have a few of them myself. In fact, I've built a few of them uh, myself. And what this would do is, uh, in my humble opinion, just ban something because uh, someone's uncomfortable, uh, not based on any type of. Uh, uh, well, anyway, listen. There are a lot of folks that are against this. And they got together yesterday near the state house in uh, Virginia, and there was uh, a lot of fear uh, in the, on the part of the governor and his office. So much so that they uh, deployed uh, all sorts of law enforcement to uh, to secure the, the Capitol complex. And what happened yesterday uh, ended up being uh, a perfectly peaceful demonstration of folks' enthusiasm and support for the Second Amendment. There were a number of guns you saw uh, on the public streets. Uh, Folks were doing a lot of open carry uh, yesterday, Uh, but there was uh, zero incident, zero arrests. There was uh, no one was zip-tied and hauled away. In fact, I think the the most rambunctious thing Scott was when there was a a USA, USA chant. Here's a little bit of that now. I'm so glad that things worked out this way. There are some folks who are gun enthusiasts who take things a little far and they make them, they make things difficult for the, the rest of us uh, who are supportive of Second Amendment rights and firearms and the like. Uh, but in Virginia yesterday, uh, things were done right. There was one view held by uh, the governor and there was another view held by a group of folks who gathered uh, to communicate their view to the governor. I'm grateful when things work out uh, that way. I think that there are right ways for protests to be held and i think we saw that uh just yesterday in virginia thanks for listening to that little bit uh, next up in the program we're going to talk about uh, a number of cool things one of them uh, including uh, we're going to try to get to if i can school lunches and i'm going to tell you too the story of a hero world war ii hero who's going to get his name on the side of an aircraft carrier thanks to his uh heroic efforts again during world war ii that's all next on live mike i'm lee lonsberry and this is ksl news radio It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.